Thank you. You know, it's a long passage. But I, but I wanted us to read all of it today. You know, there, as, throughout my life as a pastor, there have been many times that I've stood with people and I've gotten that question, why did God do that? And, and I'm not sure, I, I have not been able to answer that why question very often. I mean, I've been with families in very tough situations. I, I got a phone call at 423 this morning that one of our dear church members, Lyle Seibert, passed away this morning. And, um, and, and you know, uh, there are many times I don't know the why question. But here's what I've come to understand, that, that, that the Lord is good. The Lord is right in what he does. The Lord, um, he knows more than I do. And I'm, and I'm learning that God is always gracious even when I don't understand what he does. You know, we've been in this series in Samuel, and it's an important book for us. And we've talked about that, that to, to interpret the book of Samuel correctly, we have to see it as a we, not as a me. Because God is speaking to his people, and, and Samuel is this transition from the judges. Samuel was the last judge, uh, like in the book of Judges, Samuel was the last one. And you see a transition from judges to the kings. And we've seen, as we've been in the study, that, that God's people have been in this state of rebellion. They, they wanted a king, and they wanted it right now. And it's one of those, uh, those moments when you see in Scripture where God says, I'm going to give you what you ask for. It's why we've learned uh, way before our Owasso native Garth Brooks wrote that country song that some, sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers, right? This... This truth came way before Garth put that in that song, right? Because this was a moment that God says, you want a king right now? Okay, I'll give you what you ask for right now. And we've got to recognize how, how the, 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 the difficulty of rebellion, the, the travesty of rebellion, the, the devastation of rebellion against God. And, and all through Scripture, and, and this is where you, you see a lot of modern preaching today, and, and, they, and they just want to make you feel good. And this is one of those passages that you read, and you're like, that doesn't feel very good. And that's difficult to understand. In fact, this is one of those passages that cause a lot of criticism about people that believe the Bible. Let's look at, let's look at this closely. Look at verse 1, chapter 15. And Samuel said to Saul, the Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people Israel. Then he says, now therefore listen to the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I have noted what Amalek did to Israel in opposing them on the way when they came up out of Egypt. Now go and strike Amalek and devote to destruction all that they have. Do not spare them, but kill both man and woman and child and infant and ox and sheep, and camel, and donkey. So, Samuel, so Saul summoned the people and numbered them into to lame, and 200,000 men on foot, 10,000 men of Judah. And Saul came to the city of Amalek and lay in wait in the valley. Okay, this is tough. You know, this seems a bit extreme, right? This, this seems a bit like, wow, what is going on here? And here's the first point I want us to confront today. And we've got to confront this today. And it's this, faith requires us to trust God even when we don't understand him. 
that, that God has called us to be a people that live by faith. And, and there are going to be many moments in life when we trust God even when we don't understand him. And, you know, when I think about our church right now, we have, we have done 13, this Lyle's funeral will be 13 funerals since December 15th in our church. And, and, and you know what? There's been grieving. Now, now we trust the Lord. We, we know this is not our home. We, we know that, that God is preparing us for eternity. We know this. But yet we're still stuck in this, this doubt at times. And, and I want us to know, and we got to see this point today, faith requires us to trust God even when we don't understand them. And, and you know, when you think about the Amalekites, we've got we to do a little history. And, and he points to the history in verse 2. And in verse 2 of this chapter, he says, remember what they did in Egypt. He's referring to Exodus 17. And that was when the children of Israel were leaving Egypt. And it was the Amalekites that, that went to attack Israel as they were traveling. And what they did is they went to to the rear of Israel and where the back of them where they're weakest, they're, they're, they're lame, they're, they're children, and they attacked them from the rear at their weakest point, slaughtered a bunch of them. Uh, you know, the, the reality is, uh, flip over to Deuteronomy 25. I want you to see this. Deuteronomy 25 tells this story in, in verse 17. Deuteronomy 25, verse 17. Look at this. It says, remember what Amalek did to you on the way as you came out of Egypt. He attacked you on the way when you were faint and weary and cut off your tail, those who were lagging behind you, and he did not fear God. Therefore, when the Lord your God has given you rest from all your enemies around you, in the land the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance to possess, you shall blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven you shall not forget. Now, now so we, we, we got to recognize something challenging here, but it's a reality here that, that what God was doing, God does, he protects his children. He protects his people. And, and when it comes to the Am Amalekites, they were these, these people that, that did not fear the Lord. They rebelled against the voice of God. And, the, and, and, and here you see God's perspective on this. And we have to look at the Amalekites like a cancer. The reality is they were like a cancer. Because this is definitely one of those moments where God says, I'm I want to destroy, you got to destroy all of them. But here's the problem with Saul. Saul didn't, Saul didn't obey the, the, the full counsel of God. He didn't obey the voice of the Lord. And, and last weekend when I was at the Museum of the Bible, it was uh, Michael McAfee talked about as we were walking through the museum and he was pointing out people through history that only uh, they, they, they treated the Bible with half-truths and, and they, they took parts of the Bible out and they said, look, we're, we're going to not trust these parts and we're going to just follow these parts. And he made the statement, a half-truth masquerading as, as a whole truth is, an un, is, is a complete untruth. And in what Saul did here, he, he said, I just want to do part, part obedience to the Lord. And look what he says in verse 8. You see this, he took Agag, king of the Amalekites, and alive and devoted uh, to destruction. Um, he devoted to destruction all the people with the edge of the sword. And Saul 
It says, and Saul and the people spared Agag, the best of the sheep and the oxen, the fattened calves and the lambs, and that, all that was good, all that was good and would not utterly destroy them. All that was despised and worthless, they devoted to destruction. And, and see, there's, here's what Samuel said, verse, 5, verse 10. The word of the Lord came to Samuel, I regret that I made Saul king. You know, when you think about this is one of those instances in Scripture when, when Samuel, God tells Samuel, you've got to destroy all of them. And it brings the question, it begs the question, how could a loving God decree such actions? But here's the reality. As we look at this passage and we wrestle with it and think about it, we see that Israel was the tool of judgment for the Amalekites. He was, Israel was used by God to bring judgment on them. And, and, and I want us to recognize something that's very important. Divine justice is a reality. And we live in a world that I think doesn't understand divine justice. Folks, um, here's what we need to understand about God. He's always just. God is always just. God is, he's the righteous creator of all. And, and even when we confront a passage like this and go, how could it be right to destroy all of them? But, but we see that divine justice is a reality and folks, it's why, why we as a church must live every day with this sense of urgency. Because here's the truth, that, that a person that dies without Christ is destined for hell and separation from God for eternity. And this is why it's my prayer that we are not going through the motions like with the Lord's Supper that this is just not one option that, oh, it'll be, uh, this is just one of the ways to heaven. Folks, there's one way to heaven. The Bible's clear on this. And, and the reality is all of us were, were born in rebellion against God. We all are, are rebellious to him. Now, now what's interesting is the, the Amalekites were, were, were wicked people. They were, it was a, they, they had rebelled against God in, a, in, a, in, a, in an incredible way. But, but you know what? God is just. And, and, and it's important for us to recognize that the judgment is a, is, is a reality. And we need Christ we need him. Look at verses 11 and 35. There's, there's another interesting reality, difficulty with this passage. Verse 11, he says, I regret that I've made Saul king, for he's turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And Samuel was angry, and he cried to the Lord all night. Verse 35, it says, And Samuel did not see Saul again until the day of his death, but Samuel grieved over Saul, and the Lord regretted that he made Saul king over Israel. Now, now, one thing that when you read this chapter, you, you see this difficult moment of God destroying all of them. You also see this interesting reality of, of God regretting. But then in verse 29, look at verse 29. It says something interesting. He says that, that, that God is not a man that he should have regret. So how do we interpret that? How do we understand that? Because here's what we know about God. We know that God is omniscient, right? 
God is omniscient. He knows everything. And how could it be that this God who knows everything could look at this and have regret? Oh, did, did God make a mistake here? But, but, but no, that's not what is happening. The Hebrew word is, is the same Hebrew word. If you look at this, it, it, it's the same Hebrew word that is referenced in Genesis 6, 6. When, when God said the, the people are so wicked, what is, what is God saying here? He is grieving over the sins of his people, over the sins of mankind. He, he's grieving over the sins of Saul. And I think about God's, the the king of all kings that knows me and that knows you and knows us as a people. And when we live in rebellion, it grieves the heart of God. That's how we have to see this. God is omniscient and and it it grieves him when we sin. And this is why I pray that that we are consistent as we come together as a body and, and do things like the Lord's Supper that we say, Lord, we do not want to live in a state of rebellion. The problem, the important thing about 1 Samuel is God's people are in a state of rebellion against him. And we have to recognize that we as followers of Christ could live in a state of rebellion against God. And this is why I pray we are in community and life together in such a way that we push one another to trust the Lord, to obey the Lord, to surrender the Lord, even in moments that we don't understand him. Even when we don't see the full picture. See, the thing with the Amalekites, it's hard for us to see the full picture. But we know that God is just. We know that God is omniscient. And you know what, I, what we need to see here? That grace is evident even in judgment. And this is a truth about God, that even when judgment happens, grace is evident. And we get this. We get this because we've seen um, justice that was not fulfilled. Uh, I mean, I remember being called on a jury trial, and, and, and I was listening, and, and, and we were in this vordire thing for like a week and, and this guy was trying to persuade us that this person was innocent. And I'm sitting there before I even got on. The, I mean, I, w- I didn't get chosen on the jury. It was probably good because in the voir dire, I was thinking, this dude's guilty. This guy did it. And, and you know what? Guess what? He got off. I followed it after that, and he got off. And I was thinking to myself, he did it. That wasn't right. Now, Here's the point. When we see some, when we see justice that is not carried out, we go, that's not right. But it's a temptation to look at the Amalekites and go, oh, look, God doesn't know what he's doing. Let me tell you something. God always knows what he's doing. And we have to see this. Now, what we see here is this point number two is this important reality, this human pattern of sin. We've got to recognize the human pattern of sin. Saul was going through the motions. He, he does so many interesting things here. As he, as he, as he, uh, as, as he does this, uh, doesn't follow through with what God told him to do, and he keeps some of the sheep back. And what does he do on the way? The Bible, it says in this chapter that Saul on his way built an altar to who? Himself. He built an altar to himself. You, this reveals the heart of Saul. Saul is self-focused. He's um, um, self-preserving. He wasn't striving to serve the Lord. This was the king they chose. And it's interesting. We all have that tendency, don't we? 
We all have that tendency to self-preservation and to, to go our own way. And it says, look at verse 22, and Samuel said, has the Lord a great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of divination and presumption is as, this, as iniquity and idolatry because you have rejected the Lord. He also rejected you from being king. Now, there's some things going on here. First of all, Saul's presumption. Saul is presuming that that, that, that means that we fail to observe the limits of what, what is permitted and appropriate before God. Sometimes we presume that, hey, look, like I'm not that bad. And this is the danger with sin is, is, is we always have a tendency to justify our sin and think, I'm better than that guy over there. But see, this is, why Jesus, this is why God calls us to do like the Lord's Supper, to not just look this way, not look uh, horizontal at people, but to look to the cross, look vertically, look at Jesus. Because when we look at Jesus and see the Lord, we recognize, look, our sin is a problem. My sin is a problem. It's not our job to do better than one another. It's our job to walk with the Lord and surrender to him. And this presumption of, of, hey, sin is okay. Then, then you see, Saul, this rebellion. This is this outright defiance and resistance to God's authority over us. And, and without apology, we are a people that are saying, we need to submit to the Lord. We need to surrender to the Lord. And it's my prayer that we live our lives without apology, saying, God, we will surrender to your voice, to your call. And I'll tell you, that's where life will begin for you. People think, oh, why would I follow Jesus? You have to, you have to do all these rules, jump through all these hoops. No, no, when you follow Christ, that's where freedom begins. That's where life begins. It's in sin. It's in, it's in rebellion where the traps are. That's why John 10, 10 is so important. The thief comes but to steal, to kill, to destroy. But Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. And you see Saul's rebellion. And and that's why I pray that if you're here today and you don't know Christ, you're not surrendered to him, you're you're apart from him. Oh, come to Jesus and live. Come to Christ and find life and hope. And even in the midst of of my grief over the last three months, there's hope and there's strength and there's power. There's promise. And, and, and though there's a, been a storm for us, we're, 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 we're experiencing the, the, the Matthew 7 experience where it says, when the storms come, you will not fall because you're standing on the rock. And I'll tell you what, God is faithful and we see it. But Saul, he had this presumption, he had this rebellion, he had this rejection of God. And, and our rejection is similar. It's a rejection of, of God's word and God's leadership in our lives. And I pray that we are not a people, and I just want to stand before you today, warning us, warning me, let's not reject the leadership of God. Do not reject the leadership of God in your life. And I'll tell you, I would be no kind of preacher 
if I just tried to make, make us feel good all the time. I, would be, I wouldn't be faithful. I'll be, I'll be held accountable to that in my life. And that's why we've got to understand the Word of God and receive the Word of God and have ears to hear the Word of God. Now, point three as we track through this. Saul's fatal flaws are temptations to confront. And, and Saul failed. His flaws are evident. And Samuel, right here, he, 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 recogn- he points it out. But, but you know where there's another part of Scripture? Turn to 1 Chronicles chapter 10. Turn over here because 1 Chronicles chapter 10, verse 13, it lists exactly the reasons why Saul failed. Failed. In 1 Chronicles chapter 10, it says this. I think it's on the screen, yes. So Saul died for his breach of faith. He broke faith with the Lord in that he did not keep the command of the Lord and also consulted a medium seeking guidance. He did not seek guidance from the Lord. Therefore, the Lord put him to death and turned the kingdom over to David, the son of Jesse. And you know what? Saul, Saul died right there, it says in 1 Chronicles 10, for a breach of faith. He, 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 he breached his faith. He knew what was right, and he chose to disobey. He failed to keep God's commands. He just didn't do it. And he knew the commands of God, and he failed to keep them. He consulted a medium. He consulted a spiritual advisor. And you know, you, we think, oh, well, we don't do that stuff today. Oh, that's not today. You know what, you know what Robin and I were sitting in, uh, the other night watching the news? And there was some guy at one of the casinos that was a, a what, what was that? It was a fortune teller or something or, or some medium guy. And, and he tells the reporter, oh, I'm, I'm going to tell you about your grandma. And I'm going to tell, and she, and bless her heart, she's crying. And, and I'm thinking, that's, that's what Saul That's what caused him to have the hand of God withdrawn from him. So I want to tell you, I want to say to you, don't go to that stuff. Don't consult those people. Saul did that. But the biggest thing, Saul did not seek guidance from the Lord. That's why he fell. That's his fatal flaws. And so can I challenge us to this? Let's pay attention to our fellowship with God? Can, can, I, can I challenge us? Because the lesson here is as we look at, at Saul and, and as a body, let's pay attention to our fellowship with the Lord. We need fellowship with him. We need a relationship with him. And can you imagine, isn't it amazing to realize that God allows you to have a relationship with him? That God gives us as a body uh, the opportunity to have fellowship with God? to hear from him, to interact with him, to consult him, to to have him guide us and lead us. And I don't want you to miss the adventure and the joy of having fellowship with the Lord. That's what Saul rejected. Pay attention to your fellowship with the Lord. And uh, notice verse 21. I want you to see this. In chapter 15, as he brings this to Samuel, look what he says. But the people took the spoil and sheep and oxen, the best of the things devoted to destruction, to sacrifice to the Lord. He's talking to Samuel. What does he say to Samuel? 
the Lord your God in Gilgal. This is Saul's problem. It wasn't his God. It was Samuel, this is your God. And, and, and this is why I think we need to discover the joy of submission to the Lord. See, it is joyful to submit to the Lord. That, that produces joy in your life when you follow the Lord. It produces joy in you. You know, Saul consulted a medium. This is why I pray we look for God-honoring counsel. I want to start a tradition right now. Uh, After after Valentine's Day, I want to do this every year. So someone help me remember this. Because I want to start it right now, this new tradition. If you're in this room, and even if your spouse has gone to be with the Lord, if you were married for 45 years or longer, I want you to stand up right now. In this room, if you were mar- if you've been married for forty five years or longer, stand up. Okay, keep standing. Yeah. Okay, I want you to keep standing. Okay, the, the day after Valentine's Day or, or the Sunday close to Valentine's Day, I want to do this every year. So, Robin, please help me remember this. Look at this been married for 45 years or longer. This is one of the greatest blessings of being in a church that is multi-generational. Because if you're young in your marriage, and you get to that moment that you go, look, I don't know if we're going to make it. Do you realize that, that, yeah, you, we, Robin and I have been to counseling before. It's good to go to counseling. I'm not anti-counseling. But I guarantee you, the people in this room would offer you the best advice you could ever imagine. And all it would cost you is a cup of coffee. You could go to any one of these people and go, okay, we're struggling in our marriage. Would you speak into us? And I guarantee I know these people, and they would. So let me tell you something. Recognize the godly counsel that's in your life. This is our church. This is our church. This is right in front of us. This is like golden nuggets of wisdom. And it's right here. Thank you all. You can sit down. Give them a hand. Saul's failure is he did not connect with godly counsel. Let's look to godly counsel. And lastly, You know, I think about what Saul didn't do. He didn't join the Lord where he's working. Now, now folks, the problem with the children of Israel is they replaced the king, the king of all kings, with an earthly king. And you know what? There are many times in Scripture, this is one of those passages that are challenging to interpret and challenging to confront and you know what? Uh, it, it, it's one of those parts of Scripture that, as a pastor, you go, let's just skip that, and maybe you won't notice it. But we got to turn our face to it. And we got to turn a spotlight on it and recognize this that God is always right, even when we don't understand Him. And can I? Just say that to you. You may be in the room today 
going, God, I'm hurting because of my marriage. I'm hurting because of the loss in my life. Because I'll be honest with you, I'm hurting because of loss in my life. But let me tell you something, God is faithful. And we can trust him. And that's why I I just want to say to you, let's not miss King Jesus. Because it's King Jesus who went to the cross. It's King Jesus who who is different than the other kings. Like like Samuel says, if you get this earthly king, he's going to take from you. He's going to steal from you. He's going to force you into labor. But King Jesus, what does he do? He gives to us. He walks with us. He came to serve us. And I don't want you to miss King Jesus. We're going to have an invitation. And I'm going to just invite you. We're going to have some people down front. Maybe Maybe you're in a moment. You're like, God, I don't get it. I don't understand you. You know, we want to pray together. We want to pray with you. There'll be some ladies down front today to pray with you if you need to pray. Maybe you're here today and you have been in that moment of rebellion. Come back to him. Turn to Christ today. Stop running away from the Lord and come to him. You'll never regret it. Come to Jesus today.